Welcome back to the It's a Hustle podcast. I am your host, Joe Garrix, coming to you from the Fairfield Comedy Club with our headliner tonight, Andy Haynes. Andy, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It is always a pleasure. Yeah, man. I'm, uh, this is one of my favorite rooms. It's a fun room, yeah. And we got two sellouts for you tonight, which is great. It's all me, man. I, uh, my, my star is rising in the southern Connecticut comedy scene. So It's a hot scene here. I, it's and actually great. Like I don't. I, I know I sound like I'm being facetious, but I really do love this room. Yeah, no, me too. I, I'll be honest. Like I, Being here every weekend, it kind of like spoils you. Yeah. Because it's just like... it's. It's almost like not real, right? It's kind of like if you like had a fantasy, it'd well, be like all your shows would be like this. If you describe this room on paper, you know, like if you're just like, it's in a hotel lobby in kind of a small town in Connecticut, people would be like, yeah, that's not a good room. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. It's actually great. I know. It makes no sense, right? It's like a hotel lobby. We've got curtains in the back. It's I joke about how it's like, you know, feels like a low-class wedding in there because yeah. like the plastic folding chairs and whatnot. But people come in. I You know, I think they just have like sad lives and they just <laughs> <laughs> really will take what they can get. Well, every other show that's in a hotel lobby, like all these comedy zones that you do, they, they're awful. You yeah. Know? It's just like people that didn't. Somehow people didn't want to go to a comedy show at those. Like they just show up and they're like, I didn't want to do this. Yeah, no, the people who are here really want to, uh, and they've. And it's like right from the start, you know, the, when we started like two years ago, the first show we had, uh, the first month we sold out every show. Yeah, and that's when we moved to two, and now we're doing you know three a weekend. We've got a festival coming up, and there's you guys all a have lot Teslas. <laughs> vacation homes oh yeah yeah i mean it's Killing like it, it's dude. ridiculous how rich i am now that's crazy uh yeah that's how i afford this comedy. nice studio yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm so rich that i'm still doing uh shows in a converted hotel lobby you gotta keep it you gotta stay where you what's that called uh remember your roots or yeah whatever. no you, you got to i mean it, you know it's working well no reason to ever stop it right yeah exactly. so uh yeah well andy i'm glad to have you here because uh you throughout your career have kind of had an experience that I've not really had, you know, the benefit of having, uh, and that you have been a part of many comedy scenes. I've, you know, been a part of the New York scene and now, you know, certainly the Connecticut scene, which has been great, but you've really kind of bounced around and, and been in a lot of places. And I was wondering if you could, you know, chat about that with us a little bit. Yeah, I, um, well, um, I started in Seattle and, uh, it was just, it was not good when I went there. It, it, like, there was good comics, but the scene itself was all road guys. Yeah. And so when I started, like, I loved comedy right away, but, like, everybody was just talking about going on triple runs, which are these notoriously bad road rooms where you drive, like, literally, like, six to eight hours every day deeper east into the mountains, and you're playing, like, honky-tonk rooms and yeah. truck stop. I mean, just bad. And all the comedy was, like, really, like, you know, everybody was trying to be kind of a knockoff Doug Stanhope. And I knew that it could get better. And so when I <laughs> went to visit my dad in D.C., um, I just graduated from college. And uh, it was just so good. Everybody was young. Everybody was smart, really disciplined. When were you in D.C.? I was there from, like, uh, the fall of 2005 to the winter of 2007. Oh, wow. We just missed each other. I was uh, I went to college in D.C. and was there for a few years after. I probably left to go to New York in, like, 2004. Yeah, yeah. I It was such a cool scene. It was like... Um, yeah, what were you Rory doing there? Scoville. Um, I, I worked at the DC Improv for a little bit as a host. I got fired very quickly because I would hide and watch the show. Um, <laughs> and then I just did comedy. It's kind of like where I learned how to do comedy. I'd been doing it for like nine months when I moved there. And then really like dug in and really like learned a lot there. Um, but like the scene was incredible. It was like Rory Scoville, Seton Smith, Aparna, Hampton. Um, I'm forgetting people. There's a lot of great comics. Ryan Connor. Uh, 
tons of great comics. Yeah, and um, I guess you probably just missed Berbiglia because I remember when I was there, he was he started like when I first graduated college hosting at the DC Improv. And yeah, he was in he, DC for a couple, maybe maybe not too long, maybe like a year or so. To uh, New York, I think he'd been in New York for probably like three years or mm. four years or something like that. Yeah. He's a little bit older than me, but actually, like one of the first weekends that I ever worked at the DC Improv, the show was John Mulaney hosting. Jay Larson featuring Mike Birbiglia headlining. Oh, that's wild. One of the many nights that I hid in the back of the room and did not do my job. <laughs> um, but it was great. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. I actually just saw those guys. Uh, you know, they're both Georgetown guys. I went to Georgetown as yeah. well. So I used to book Birbiglia for like doing like Georgetown events. And uh-huh. that's kind of how I started getting into comedy was following him and, you know, watching him kind of just blow up. Yeah. Um, but uh, I saw Birbiglia, Mulaney, and Gaffigan. Uh, they did a show together for Georgetown. Oh, All awesome. three of them, they each did like a half hour, and it was uh, incredible. Yeah. Mulaney, though, was masterful. Just yeah, like, I mean, he's such a genius. Yeah. I mean, there's certain comics where like I want to get jealous, but it's just like, yeah, I wasn't born with that. Uh, yeah, molecule. yeah, I know. I want. It's just like I'm like I I wouldn't even know how to compete with that. I'm just like I'm just gonna keep yeah. doing what I'm doing. <laughs> um, and then I so I was in D.C. and I loved it, but. Um, I didn't feel like I felt like there was like a certain cap, you know, it was like a couple years that I would have been there just like maybe hosting at the DC Improv and the scene in Seattle started to blow up again. Like it really started to like the first kind of like iteration of those alt rooms mm-hmm. and like when alt was really big. And yeah. Everybody was like copying. Um, what's that famous like Rafifi, like those kind of rooms. Yeah. And so I went back to Seattle for about a year and then Rory Scovel, I was going to move to san francisco i think and then rory scovel was like hey we found this apartment it's got these rooms in it so me and this guy scott moran moved to new york and then i was in new york for like three and a half years and i mean i say i learned how to do comedy in dc but i mean i basically had to start over when i was in new york and oh really and why is that just because it, it's such a different animal i mean just the joke writing so much higher caliber and i'd been doing kind of Seattle stuff, but also a little bit of road stuff that wasn't good road, um, you know, regional stuff. And, you know, you just have tricks that just don't work in New York if you want to, like, do it at the highest level. Yeah. And there's such a different scene. You know, you can go to Brooklyn and do a scene that's very, like, kind of, like, urbane and well-read. And they want to hear, like, kind of more personal, kind of uh, artful, I guess you would call it, comedy. Mm-hmm. And then you can go to, like, another part of the city, and they want to hear, like, the dirtiest, meanest, tightest joke you can, you know. Yeah. Um, So that, you know, it was just, I had to start over again. I think each time I moved, I really had to start over. And then when I went to L.A., I wouldn't say that I necessarily, I went to L.A. after three and a half years because I wanted to live like an adult and not in, like, a, you know, shoebox apartment with my wife (laughs) at the time. And she was, like, starting to pursue an acting career. She's a comedian as well. She's my ex-wife now, too. Um, (laughs) But um, L.A.'s weird because, like, L.A. is, like, there's a lot of amazing stand-ups there. But um, I would say that, like, stand-up isn't necessarily the highest priority. It's, like, secondary to, like, an acting type thing Yeah, I mean, I think everybody wants to work in show business. And there's some people that, like, do stand-up as their full-time job based out of L.A., but there's a lot of people there that like write for a TV show or act on a TV show or act in commercials or whatever it is. And stand-up's like this fun thing you do at night. There's not really this pressure for that night's show. Yeah. I'd say the younger guys probably have more of that pressure. But in New York, I feel like that's really like what separates um, 
kind of like the the biggest difference between New York and LA that like I see as a comic is that like New York is a city where like live entertainment thrives. Like almost everything is live, like theater, music, and then everything in LA is like studio music, TV shows. Well, you know, yeah, that's, it's like that's interesting. Yeah. People writing for TV shows will be. It, it's not about this thing that's going to happen that night. You know. Yeah. And um, so New York's like really like a training ground, and so it keeps you younger in a way and sharper and then um you know also i just like i kind of burnt out in la because like you get very uh you know like you start to make money and you're like oh i want to go like make money and so you write for these things or you do these things but i didn't like half the things i did you know <laughs> what i mean like i was like writing for a lot of variety shows that were just like basically things that stoners would watch at 2 a.m or like a sitcom that like I don't know who would watch it now, you know, like it was multicam and I love those experiences, but I just found myself like having no kind of um no like idea of what the goal was. The goal was just to work versus like yeah. you know, like I think just have a job in comedy and yeah, make and, money and that's too. a great life. Some people have um quite enough minds to just be grateful for something like that. But <laughs> I think I want to do something that's like unique or you know like that speaks to my voice that i create and something like that so after six years in la i'd kind of i just wasn't doing anything that i liked i wasn't really doing anything and i was doing a lot of stand-up still but it was just like nobody gave a shit yeah it's like when you go to the comedy store like you can crush but like they still mainly want to see chris D'Elia or david spade or Eliza, like, there's there's definitely, like, a fame cachet. Yeah, it's not about just catching something and raw so, or real. And or... some people navigate that, though. I mean, like, there's a lot of people that are able to rise through that, and, like, they see that as a challenge. They're like, oh, you don't, like, you don't give a shit about me? Watch this. I'm going to make you care about my act. But I'm I'm kind of a writer, you know? Like, I'm kind of like a guy that tells jokes, and I'm, uh, I talk a lot about, like, depression and self-deprecating stuff. And so, like, one guy gets up there, and he's like... <laughs> it's wild fam like i was you know and i'm just like i'm uh pretty upset about how my life has turned out and everybody would be like uh what <laughs> this is la man you're yeah. supposed to be happy there's Come sunshine on, cheer up um but i you know i saw so i came back to new york about a year ago and it was great it was yeah. just like the best thing that i could have done i really like got back to like loving stand-up and doing stand-up for stand-up and it's a struggle. It's a struggle to live in New York, but it makes you grateful for small things and it just keeps you sharp. And I'm sure that I'll go back to LA at some point, but like this New York, I mean, like I don't think there's a lot of comics that can get as good as they could be without spending some time in New York. There's a, there's anomalies. I mean, Kyle Kinane's never lived in New York and that guy's amazing. Yeah. And I don't think Patton's ever lived in New York. I mean, there's lots of people in LA, and there's like you know, there's always yeah, those no, like, but uh, there's there's something about it's like a breeding ground, and it you know being around like that level of talent, and you know you pick up things. It's you know I remember being like a kid and like you know playing basketball. You know my dad would always be like, oh, you got to play against like the older kids. You want to play against people who are better than you, yeah. Because if you don't, you're not going to get better, right? So if you're like kind of yeah. somewhere where like the scene's mediocre, you could rise to the top of it with mediocrity. Yeah, I think that's. That I mean, that was like really always what spurred my my move, you know, like yeah. it was to like move. I need to get like, and 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 that's honestly like it's uh, it's probably like a little bit like Machiavellian. But like when I would move to a new scene, 
I would just gravitate towards who I thought was the best comic and try to befriend them. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't like I ever was like, we're friends. And like, I, you know, just grinned and bared. And I was like, I like you so much. You know, <laughs> Let's hook me. Um, but I definitely like, you know, when I was in D.C. and I first saw Rory, I emailed him that night. And I was like, hey, man, I don't have any friends here. Can we hang out? You know, like yeah. I was just like uh, I had, was blown away by his comedy. And I was like wanted to be around somebody like that. And the same thing when I got to New York, I saw Mark Norman and I saw Mike Lawrence and Dan St. Germain and Nick Turner. And I was just like, oh, these guys are awesome like yeah like, let's be friends i want to be around that level of funny yeah and do you feel like new york is where you found the most people like that um yeah in in, in stand-up for the most part i mean there's like a couple comics like i said like like fahim anwar is a comic that like he has only lived in la he spent time in other places he's from seattle originally too but um you know he's an amazing stand-up never lived in new york so there was like a few people I'd meet in LA where I was just like I'm enamored. He was an old friend too, so it yeah. doesn't necessarily fit. In New York or in LA it was more like I would meet somebody who was a TV writer and I would like see them in a writers room and I'd be like, "Oh, I want that. Like I want that ability." Cuz that's a that's a whole different art. Yeah. It's funny they hire stand-ups to work in TV writers rooms because we're good at just delivering jokes immediately mm -hmm. and we're also good at delivering them in dialogue cuz we say our jokes, right? Yeah. And TV writers are good at writing clever, funny things, but it's not always necessarily like a, a spoken joke. Mm. So we're good at speaking jokes. And uh, so we'll get hired to work in these TV writers' rooms, and then you go in, and it's like they don't give a fuck about you, you know? Because yeah. they're like, they're rich people who write TV stories. And unless you're like a storyteller, they, they're just like, yeah, sit back until we need a joke, buddy. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I would bust my boss's balls, and people would be like, you don't do that. Like, you shut the fuck up. And I'd be sitting there being like, like roasting my boss, and everybody would be looking at me like, are you fucking insane, kid? Um, and how did that play out for you? I have not worked in another uh, sitcom <laughs> since then. I got two years on a sitcom, and it was amazing. And then uh, I have not been hired back. But it's coming. It's coming. I... I'm, I've kept friends with a lot of people I think are going to be successful. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's a smart move. Well, what, uh, you know, as you kind of look at this current iteration and like being in New York, like what are you looking at as kind of your goals? What's like the next thing that you want, you know, to kind of achieve or the next thing that you want to happen for you? Well, I think that, I think that like for, to be successful in really any field, but like to, to do this right like if you want to approach stand-up as uh show business and working in show business and like getting things you really have to know what you want to do right yeah. so like you need to be like okay i'm going to be like a writer that does this stuff or like i'm going to be a like a comedian but i really want to act and so i'm going to like do comedy that like cultivates an acting career or whatever like that um i really I'm not a good actor. I've never been a good actor. It's something I've tried a lot. I like I like doing it, but I've never seen myself and been like, holy shit, man, you really nailed it, you know? <laughs> um, it's just not my, I'm too self-conscious. Um, so, I, I, you know, I think I want to write for stuff. I want to write TV. Hey, what's up? Uh, and movies and hopefully, like, sell that stuff. But then also just do stand-up as much as I can. And, yeah. you know, like, I want all the things that you can get in stand-up. Yeah. Mean, but it's also, like, it's such a different climate right now like ken jong just got a netflix special you know it's did like, you watch any of it no i don't i'm not gonna learn anything you know what like uh, <laughs> one of my co-workers like oh yeah i watched it. it was good and i like put it on and i was like this is terrible <laughs> uh, oh i will say this um 
one thing, if you if people are listening to this just like as a kind of like tips kind of thing, one of the most beneficial things I've ever done, and Gary Goleman actually said this recently with in his like tips oh his that Twitter he's been thing, yeah. But um, you know, if you like a stand-up special, like I I'll listen to a stand-up special over and over again. Like I've listened to Norm Macdonald, uh, me doing stand-up. I probably listened to it fifty to a hundred times, like somewhere yeah. in there, just over and over again, dissecting the jokes. But um. Take a take a stand-up special that you really like and write it out like word for word, you know, like people that that like in a lot of other like like um, Ralph Ellison, he would rewrite James Baldwin novels because he just said he wanted to feel what it was like to write those words. Yeah, and so it's like I, I've done that with a couple things, and it's really interesting because you really do like the act of writing out like I wrote out uh, Metzger's uh, White Precious because I, I I absolutely am enamored with how. Kurt Metzger gets to jokes, paces them, delivers his material and timing. And it's just like w when you put it into words and you actually write it out and see the way that you would write a joke versus like the way somebody else would, it's, um, it's, it's huge. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I, that actually ties in. I was about to ask you, um, and that, that kind of ties in, but, uh, you know, what is, you kind of look, you know, at your career, what do you think was like the best decision that you made or what's like the smartest thing you've done? Um, you know, and I know we talked a little bit about, you know, being in New York, being helpful, but is there anything else that you would look at as kind of be like, oh, I'm, you know, this was something really smart that I did? Uh, I would say that most recently it was moving back to New York. Yeah. Like, you know, like something wasn't working for me, so I made a change. Um, I think that you really, like, I, I haven't really learned these things from being like, that was the smartest thing I did. I've learned a lot more things by being like, that was a really dumb thing <laughs> to do. Um, well, what's the dumbest thing that you learned from? I mean, I think that just... Was it roasting your boss? <laughs> that was probably the dumbest thing I did. But, I, you know, the dumbest thing about that was it was just a bad TV show, and I wasn't grateful for the job. Yeah. And it's like, if you work in show business, there's going to be a lot of jobs that are not, like, cool or sexy or that you like. Yeah. But you're still going to make a lot of money, and you're still getting to do something that is not lifting, you know, sacks of rice onto a fucking truck. You know, <laughs> it's like, there's so many jobs in this world that, like, kill your soul, and you get to do something... So I would say that, like, you know, whatever it is, be grateful for it, be kind, be professional, and, uh, you know, like, treat it like a job. Yeah. Like, some guys, there's going to be a lot of guys that we look up to in this career who can, like, get high the second they wake up and have, like, amazing careers, and they can just, like, navigate it. They can be assholes, and people still want to work with them, and whatever, whatever. But that's, like, that's not really the, yeah. the average guy. No, I agree. Be and nice, show up, do your job, you know. Yeah, and and be disciplined. You know, I would say that like, I'm still learning the discipline of joke writing. Like, it's like I write all the time, but I'm not like great at like writing a joke and then like like memorizing it, speaking it out, and those types of things. Like, those can mean the difference. Like going and sitting down with another comic and being like, "Here's the joke," and then being like, "Ah, eh, it's not funny." Yeah. And then going and being like, "Okay," instead of you know like, half the time I do a new joke, it's like I'm sneaking it in. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, that's not ready, you know? Yeah. So that's good advice. I totally lack that discipline. It's something that, uh, as I talk to more comics, I'm like, I really gotta, it's you know, focus. It's on hard. This it's stuff. like it's like pulling teeth. It's yeah. really hard to break down this thing because it's also like the weird thing about stand up or anything creative is it's such an innate thing, you know? It's yeah. like you're doing something from your heart. You're like trying to like have this flow. And it feels so counterintuitive to like sit down and be like, all right, what's the math of this thing? Yeah, you no, know? but it's there. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've done that, but I remember like dissecting jokes and be like, oh, where can I like make it cleaner, get to that's that punch a little quicker? That's why um, tight joke writers don't ever seem like they have joy. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> they're just Mensa scholars. <laughs> well, look, Andy, uh, I want to thank you for being here. It's great chatting yeah, with man, you. It's really great to have you at the club. Uh, thanks so much. I hope we can do it again soon. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right, peace. Bye. Thanks for listening to the It's a Hustle podcast. Special thanks to Eric Donnelly for our theme song, to Julian Rooney for all of our editing, to Lightswitch Advisors for our website and online marketing. If you have any web or marketing needs, Lightswitch Advisors is your go-to place, to Vans for all of our footwear and apparel. And also, please come to the first ever live recording of the It's a Hustle podcast, Saturday, April 27th at 5 p.m. at the Circle Hotel in Fairfield as part of the first Connecticut Comedy Festival, April 25th through 20th. Check that out at ctcomedyfestival.com. And please leave us a review. Tell your friends we appreciate your listening. Peace.